Today we're going to continue the topic of smart cities. Now, I know we spoke about this in the past three episodes and we went quite in-depth into the topic of smart cities, but there's something that came up last week that prompted us to revisit this topic and uh, for the simple reason that it seems that people still seem to have a very negative and an incorrect perception of what smart cities actually are and what kind of benefits they will deliver. So what happened uh, last week was that I was invited to speak on international TV, on SABC online. And again, the topic was uh, smart cities. So I expressed my uh, opinions and my thoughts on what smart cities are. So one of the questions was, is South Africa ready for smart cities? And are smart cities actually viable in this current economy? When you look at how challenging things are, you look at the high unemployment rates, you look at poverty rates, it's unacceptable. I mean, in South Africa, we are sitting on a ticking time bomb, literally, when it comes to the, well, figuratively, not literally, when it comes to the economic crisis and the unemployment situation. So that was one of the questions. And the other question is what exactly, what sort of benefits exactly do smart cities actually deliver? Now, that went well. The, uh, the interview was well received. There was a lot of positive feedback. But in, when we posted to social media, there were a lot of negative comments about the concept of smart cities. And that's what was... Uh, a reason to you know for, for concern so one person uh, on LinkedIn mentioned that if half of South Africa is living in poverty how can we build such smart cities if we do not if we have not addressed the fundamental problem of our country so this was a uh, a comment to my post on LinkedIn when I posted uh, the video another person on Facebook was very concise he reckoned that I think it's a bad idea I think it's a bad idea. That was his. That was his, his take on it. So, uh, and there was there was. Uh, I mean, these are just two of the comments. There were there were generally some very negative comments uh, about the concept, but also about whether the government is able to deliver on the promises of smart cities, and also whether smart cities are going to benefit everyone. Are they going to be equitable, or are they just going to benefit? the 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 well-to-do the rich as one person also uh, mentioned on social media so now the question arises that what where are these ideas these notions coming from because i think in the previous three episodes we've proven without a doubt that smart cities have the potential to transform entire societies to transform cities to transform by extension, entire countries. And they are equitable if done correctly. And when I say correctly, I mean not done in the way that President Ramaphosa has envisioned, where he wants to build a standalone, brand new smart city somewhere in South Africa. That's not going to work. That doesn't normally work. Maybe there are a couple of unicorn cases where it actually worked. But generally, it seems forced. It seems like you know, you make this new city and uh, you try to f envision what kind of uh, amenities and what kind of facilities you're going to have and then try and force it. It just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to work. So that's the incorrect way of doing it. 
what then is the correct way? The correct way is something that I always maintain that we need to slowly but surely convert our existing cities into smart cities. Or not convert, convert is a strong word. We need to make our current cities smarter by solving problems that people in the cities are facing. But before we get into that, let's look at some of the misconceptions around the smart cities. These misconceptions are what I gathered from the social media posts. Yeah, I mean, generally you talk about you talk about smart cities to people and you hear these same things coming coming out. And I think you must have heard it too. Um, one of the biggest misconceptions is that smart cities are something like uh, out of a movie, like Elysium or Total Recall, where everything is ultra-futuristic and there's flying cars and... You know, there's thin skyscrapers. Shiny glass skyscrapers. Yeah, uh, and giant holograms in the, in the middle of the city with augmented humans. Now, yeah, I mean, that's cool. That is smart tech. And we do talk about how some of the tech is actually a reality. But that's not what a smart city is. Yeah, I mean, those, those are not uh, by any means. I mean, if you look at the movie Elysium, the, uh, the, the smart city is actually in space somewhere. And it's this ultra-futuristic uh, city with healthcare that's unbelievable, with streets that are unbelievable, where only the ultra-wealthy are allowed to live and can afford to live. And the rest of the world's population is back on Earth and, uh, you know, in absolutely squalid conditions, you know, almost uh, Mad Max-type uh, uh, conditions they're living under with crime and uh, bad... Uh, bad the a complete breakdown of of society and gangs so i mean these kinds of movies are not anything like what our smart cities are supposed to be or what they actually are in real and in I think, reality i think the listeners you'll, you'll understand a lot better when we start giving you some examples of smart uh solutions in in existing cities and you'll get a better understanding of what a smart city actually is exactly and the second misconception is again d derived from the first one that smart cities are only for the wealthy and they will marginalize the poor because typically maybe it's not going to be an extreme scenario like elysium where there's a smart city in the sky but uh, w what people envision is that smart cities will be so expensive that only the the well-to-do will be able to live in them again I, I another mean, misconception I, I don't know maybe i'm wrong here but kind of the idea of building a standalone smart city kind of feels like the situation from Elysium. It does. It does. And uh, even if it is uh, a, a success, I think it's going to be just so expensive and so cut off from the rest of the I world agree. that when you go in there, you'll feel like you you in you know more in South Africa, if it works. And that's not what we need, really. We don't need another version of apartheid now in this in this country. And I think the third misconception that I picked up is that people envision smart as being high-tech and expensive. Smart doesn't necessarily have to be either. It can be low-tech and it can be a very cheap solution. All it needs is for somebody to come up with an, with an intelligent and a creative idea to solve a problem that people are facing. And uh, they can... Uh, you know, th th that's how they, they can make their, their area or their city a little smarter. So the whole idea of smart 
as we always maintain, is about the people, not about the technology. It's about the people. So whether it's central Johannesburg or Santon or even a township like Amlazi or, uh, or Tembisa, it's not, it's not the technology. It's not about putting in technology. It's about making the quality of lives of the citizens, of the residents of those areas better, to give them a better quality of life, a more stress-free environment, a safer environment, a place where uh, people are generally happy, where kids are safe, where there's good schooling, there's good uh, access to, to health care. That's what SMART is all about. SMART is not about technology at all. Technology, yes, is an enabler, but the idea is the people. Now, let's, let's, let's consider one, one example, right? Traffic in Johannesburg. Okay, terrible. We don't, we don't live there, but I mean, when we do go to work, the one thing that always, I, I can never, nobody can get used to is that morning traffic. You're just trying to get from one place to another. It's maybe just 10 kilometers, but it'll take you almost an hour to get there. So that's, that's a massive problem and something that everybody can relate to. What Everyone, rich and poor alike. Correct. There's no no discrimination in in traffic, you know. Um, so if you were to say, what's a smart solution to to transport and traffic? Now, the the, the first idea that comes to our minds is maybe self-driving cars or, or or drones that fly over the traffic and take you to where you need to be. But in New York City, the Big Apple, the Big Apple, the solution is so simple and so low tech all they did was added a bicycle lane and that's a smart solution so they actually have uh, they've built on that idea a little bit more so it there's a um i think it's an app it's called city bike and what this app does is it helps you find bicycles around the city now they've placed bicycles all over the city thousands of them that are available 24 7 and using this app, you can find uh, bicycles near you, and you can. It'll also help you find the best route to take uh, to wherever you want to go. So it's a simple, simple solution, you know. So how does it work? So you use the app to what to go and unlock a bicycle? Uh, yeah, I think I think that's that's the way it works. You use the app, you you find a bicycle near you, you unlock it, you ride it to where you need to go, and then you leave it at another station, uh, a bicycle station. Okay, so uh, that's that's a brilliant low-tech example. I mean, instead of going drones and flying cars, now we're going bicycles, and people are encouraged to use those bicycles because it reduces the amount of traffic. So if you've got a thousand people around the city using bicycles, there's a thousand less cars on the streets for that day, which is amazing. That is really such an effective solution. And the fact that there are these bicycle depots means that you don't have to bring your own bicycle. You could be living a bit far out of, uh, you know, the you far away from where you're working, but for your daily commute in and out between uh, offices or on your lunch, you want to go out to a, uh, to a coffee shop specifically, you just uh, jump on a bike, take it, drop it off, and you, you do your stuff. That's actually, that's actually ingenious. It and is. Th the other benefit, obviously, is the health benefit, right? Definitely the health benefit. There's benefit to the environment, uh, less fossil fuels getting in the air from cars. Now, um, another uh, a smart solution, and this one uses technology, right? Now, you ever notice how sometimes you, you're at a robot or traffic light and you're sitting and waiting, but there's no cars coming 
um like at, at the other en- entrances of the intersection you know exactly so we're just waiting and the other uh, the other part of the intersection is just empty there's no it's one crossing exactly there's no cars crossing no people no pedestrians no cars and you're waiting for that and the traffic is building up behind you it's building you. up behind you correct now in new york city again there is uh, the the concept that they call midtown in motion where they use sensors around the city and or uh, in in major intersections and they monitor the the traffic passing through them and they fed that into an artificial intelligence system and that system then uh, uses this data to control the traffic okay so it controls the traffic lights in real time it knows when it's going to be busy um, and when wh- which intersections are going to be quiet maybe it needs to switch the lights on uh in in this section for a little bit longer maybe it needs to let people who are turning go a little bit shorter so you can understand how this solves the problem of this congestion that you get uh in intersections and that's using ai so that's a definitely very high tech solution where the system is now planning the the flow of of vehicles through the city and directing that flow using the the traffic lights ingenious So you know you know what's great is now we, we we've got in the same city in the big apple we've got the smart solution that is low tech and we've got a smart se- uh, solution that is very high tech both working together to solve the exact same problem the problem of traffic in the city which is phenomenal which is amazing and you know if we had to implement those types of solutions in some of our south african cities then we will see some really big uh, results for everyone not just for uh, certain people now let's take another problem right another problem in south africa is unemployment poverty that's what we, uh, we 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 spoke about earlier that's what everyone is talking about now it's not a uniquely south african problem the, it's a problem that's global and even yes surprisingly in new york city even though it's in united states you know we talk about the us as the most advanced or one of the most advanced countries in the world etc but there is a lot of poverty and they've solved it right they've solved this this uh, problem using a very simple solution yeah um they also just like us they have a problem of internet access you know believe it or not even there in america so people didn't have access to 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 internet so what they've done is they've taken facilities around the cities and filled them with computers that were connected to the internet and this was this this is for for people to just come in and and use um they've used facilities like libraries or old old municipal buildings recreation centers and So basically they they've used existing facilities so that they save on setup and uh, and operational costs. Correct. And these uh they encourage people to come and use these facilities t- and they have online courses for them uh on workplace readiness, on digital literacy and things like that. So they've they are definitely elevating a problem there. That's uh, that's phenomenal. And I mean they they if I from what I read they're putting these but specifically in the areas that are affected by poverty. or they started putting them and today they've got about 100 facilities set up and they already seeing the impact a couple of years down the line they already seeing the impact they seeing digital literacy levels gone up they seeing the un- unemployment rates uh, gone down they seeing people that uh, have uh, 
gone through these courses and have managed to get jobs uh, by doing these courses now in this country uh, we've got a we've we've got the obviously a much bigger problem of poverty and whereas you know a lot of us have the ability we are blessed that we can go online at any time and study just about anything we can buy a course or download an audiobook and you know learn a topic get a certificate or a degree on pretty much any topic you can imagine under the sun we we have that and you know we we take it for granted but millions and millions of south africans don't have that they don't have that luxury of being able to do that i mean consider a person living in a in a rural area of south africa first of all connectivity is an issue secondly computers are an issue or tablets i mean there's only so much you can do with a with a cheap cell phone right as much as it might be a smartphone there's only so much you can do and see but access to data access to uh, to to these courses that's something that's unheard of for these people yet if we can make these skills that millions and millions of valuable tutorials and uh, courses available on the internet if we can make those available to people in the rural areas in the inner city areas where there is unemployment and poverty and encourage people to come in and use these facilities and learn new skills and use those skills to go and either create employment for themselves start a little business or go and get a job that's going to transform in a matter of a few years it's going to transform our society it's such a simple solution really when you think about it is mind boggling in its simplicity yet it's not happening i don't know a single place where you know there is a lab where people are encouraged to come and do online courses uh, maybe if they even if they pay a nominal fee a monthly membership fee 200 250 rand just to keep things going just to keep the wheels turning to cover some of the expenses of the lab why aren't we doing that in south africa and here's a thought here's an idea what if we took ship containers 20 foot or 40 foot ship ship containers repurpose them into labs and put them into these areas now i know there's a lot of organizations that have put out labs like ours at a massive organization a couple of years ago and they've got 73 labs that they've set up and you know how many of those labs are actually being used zero the guy from the csi department the head of the csi says to me you know what we've got 73 or 72 or 73 labs but they're all under lock and key because no one's using them people don't have uh, access to them yet there's all of these facilities white elephants now why is this happening we have to sit down and and and, and examine i think it's happening because they only looked at the setup of these labs they didn't look at the operations of them they they don't have a model for how these labs are going to operate going forward how they're going to become self sustaining how they're going to be useful to the people and that is a problem yet we can solve so many problems by making these labs fully operational we can make knowledge available to countless people i mean there's there's millions of people that don't have access to universities and colleges and and uh, you know even to unisa which is a correspondence college but these people can easily go online and uh, and study so i think i think that's another really simple solution that they've established in new york city and because there was a an effort to set up these labs and also 
to make sure that there is return on investment to ensure that they, they the people that they, it's intended for are getting the the intended benefit that's why they're seeing the the results and they made it sustainable like you say in putting them into municipal municipal offices or recreation centers and parks and libraries they cut out the whole expense of having to set up a new facility and having to staff out those facilities because i mean the staff are there if you look at a typical library i mean the library staff will just basically oversee the the computer labs now i think we need to really consider smart solutions like this again coming back to the original discussion those misconceptions around smart cities here's new york city the world's economic capital and they are a smart city by all definitions and yet they're using solutions that are well within the reach of south african cities to implement and they're implementing it so where are those misconceptions now are smart cities only for the wealthy are they these futuristic utopian apartheid cities not at all not at all they are down-to-earth cities that are just better more efficient more streamlined and offer better quality of life to their uh, to their citizens and the big apple new york city actually proves that without a doubt doesn't it it does definitely does all right so i think i think a lot of these misconceptions come from you know when politicians like the president speaks about uh, these standalone smart cities i think our focus should be on our own cities the existing cities and the focus should be on the youth encourage the youth to come up with smart solutions within their cities and then we'll be doing uh, we'll be offering a double benefit there'll be a two-pronged benefit one is the cities will be getting smarter and the other is these young people will probably start up businesses based on the solutions that they find. Anyways, that's all we have time for today. This has been another episode of IT Varsity Tech Watch. I'm your host, Bilal Katrada. And I'm your co-host, Masiullah Katrada. And we'll catch you in the next episode.